All right, everybody, welcome back to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by 26shirts.com slash Pittsburgh. And it is definitely the offseason for the Steelers, but uh, there is still a ton of stuff going on um, related to uh, guys in the Hall of Fame and uh, coaching moves. And, of course, the playoffs are still going on. (laughs) Well, thankfully, without teams named the Ravens. Or Patriots. But uh, anyway, we're going to uh, talk a lot of things Steelers tonight. Uh, joining me is Ian and Ben, and uh, we'll we'll do our best to, to give you uh, some, some good, honest perspective. And I, I did get a couple comments from folks this week, uh, really, really positive stuff about the show. So please keep leaving reviews and uh, good ratings and all that. And I mean, hey, if you don't like it, you don't like it, you know, go listen to something else, I guess, too. But uh, we, we do a pretty good job. Anyway, uh, Ian, how's things going for you tonight? Great. Happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. And uh, Ben, you've made it through a uh, rainstorm there in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, it was uh, a little touch and go on the way home, but yep, did it. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy weather, crazy weather. Raining raining here in Michigan when it should be snowing to beat the band, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to complain because I believe, as you mentioned, um, one does not shovel rainwater. and. Nope. Uh, I'm I'm just fine with that. Um, so today, uh, uh, the news dropped that uh, Donnie Shell, the uh, the great uh, Steelers safety of the '70s teams, and you know a lot of people forget he actually played until 1987. Came in in that great '74 draft and, and played up until '87 and uh, um, five uh, Pro Bowls, three All Pro teams. But he was uh, inducted today, or will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, um, and. Uh, so, so we'll chat about him a little bit first, and then we'll we'll get over to over to Coach Cower, who uh, who was the first of this new centennial class uh, to be inducted. Um, Ian, I, I know of the three of us, you're you're the youngest, but um, what are some of the things that you uh, uh, know recall about uh, Donnie Shell? I think the the biggest thing that stands out, and I fully recognize that he played in a different era, but just how many interceptions he had and how consistent he was over mm-hmm. time. Um, I think he had, what, five-plus interceptions in, uh, what, five or six straight seasons and 51 yeah. for his career. Like, those numbers are, are just unheard of. I mean, Stephon Gilmore led the league with six interceptions this year. So, mm-hmm. um, I know, you know, playing in the, the – 70s and early 80s was a different time for passing offenses. Um, There's a lot more interceptions to be had, but also just, you know, his consistency and, and ability to find the ball in the secondary, um, you know, speaks volumes at the back end of that Steelers defense that, um, you know, won the four Super Bowls. Yeah, and and you know you make the good point about the generations because obviously teams throw the ball way more today than they did back then. So for him to have that many interceptions is uh, pretty remarkable. Uh, ben, what uh, what do you recall about uh, number thirty one? He was always around the ball. I yeah. mean, always. The guy was always. He just had a head for the ball. You know, you've heard that expression mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah, there were there were a lot of turnovers. Uh, yeah, 51 picks over what is it a, a 13 year career? Yeah. That's a lot of picks. Um uh also collected 19 fumbles. <laughs> so you're talking about 70 turnovers over the course of his career. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot doing a whole lot for your team. So I, you know, that that's the thing that that kind of really jumps out to me. Mm-hmm. Um I've thought for a long time that he was overshadowed by the talent 
on his team. And that was, it was just assumed that he was so good mm-hmm. because he yeah. was just taking, you know, whatever was left from the other guys, whatever the other guys didn't take, you know, and that other, other offenses had to scheme so much to try and beat the Lamberts and the Hams and Joe Green and Elsie Greenwood, that Donnie show was just kind of an afterthought. And, and that he was successful because of that. And that, that wasn't the case. When a guy is around the ball that much, it's not about luck. Yeah, It's about preparation. It's about knowledge and instinct. And he was. He was over and over and over again. And the guy was a hell of a player. I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm pleased he got in while he's still alive. I thought what would happen is, mm. just like Elsie Greenwood, he would probably get in after he was dead. I'm surprised that Greenwood wasn't a finalist, at least a finalist, yeah, for the Centennial class, but he was not. Well, I, I, it's a good point, and I, I did want to address that because Donnie Shell becomes the the tenth uh, member of of the great '70s teams to go in the Hall of Fame, and and there is a lot of speculation that he's probably the last one. Um, you know, look, there's a lot of Steelers fans uh, that, that do believe, as you said, that L.C. Greenwood should be in there as well. And uh, sadly, he has passed on. Um, Ian, do, do you think this is it? Is this the last of the 70s guys uh, to go into the hall? Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll never say never. And yeah. I, I'm going to get into this some more later when we talk about uh, Bill Cowher and some of the, the coaches that got in as well. But right. I mean, the NFL loves to do these sort of one-off special events, right? hundredth year of football, they mm-hmm. have a special centennial class. Um, you know, do they do another one at the 125th, 150th? The Pro Football Hall of Fame was founded in 1963. Maybe there's a hundredth year of the Hall of Fame class in 2063 if, you know, yeah. football's still around then. Um, that, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah. they, they, they love to do these sort of special classes and, you know, drum up extra publicity. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that, you know, the, the TV ratings and, you know, those videos of Cower and Jimmy Johnson getting there. Um, you know, notice that they're going to get in yeah. on live television or shared all over the place. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of free publicity for the NFL. Definitely. So, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think Greenwood will get in as part of any regular class, but I think if they do, um, and, and they also have done in the past sort of a special, like one historical person gets in every year too. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it may come around. Um, yeah. And that, yeah. That, and that's that the other, the other thing is he may, some point he may get he nominated by the seniors committee. And, and yeah. typically they get two nominations and generally speaking, those guys get in, but to your point about there being so many Steelers from those seventies teams already in mm-hmm. the hall, that's what Greenwood has working against him. Yep. Yep. And I think it's what Donnie shell had working against him for a long yeah. time too. And uh, yeah. I think it was, wasn't it Mel Blunt that basically, I mean, I, I don't, but, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said it's, it's a crime that he's not in. But uh, Mel Mel you know. also made the case, and and I agree with him, that it was just like like Swan and Stallworth. They were stealing votes from one another. Oh, Shell true, and Greenwood true. were stealing votes from one another, and so there are some people that think that now that Shell has gotten in, that maybe Greenwood's got a shot. Unfortunately, Elsie Greenwood's passed on, so yeah, you know yeah. he doesn't get to get in there while he's alive. He doesn't get to enjoy that honor while he's he's still walking around. 
Yeah, and and you know, again, we're we're all believers that Shell was very worthy, and and you know, oh, if you yeah. listen to listen to opponents uh, of his uh, talk today about his his nomination and eventual induction. You know, they said much of the same. And um, just a couple other notes on on the class. Uh, I, you know, Steve Sable um, of NFL Films. He and his father Ed Sable started NFL Films, and 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 I, I mean. Ian, NFL Films was like a part of my life as a kid, and I'm sure oh, yeah. it probably was oh, yeah. for you guys too, right? Yeah. I mean, if, Steve Sable oh, is yeah. more than deserving here. Absolutely, I, I, yeah. I had VHS tapes I would watch over and over as a kid. With, you know, historic footage. It was awesome. Well, they they were showing some of the the footage today, and I had to laugh at some of Steve Sable's outfits. You know, some of right? his eighty his eighties button downs and his really bad loud colored ties and stuff. Yeah, and his <laughs> his dad his dad was already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ed Sable yeah. Who started it, but it was really Steve Sable that that developed it and made it into what it became. And yeah. I could not agree with you more. I mean, he he had an a huge impact on the game because of what it did to all of us growing up and, and building on the popularity of, of a, what was already a, a pretty popular mm-hmm. league. And now is the most, you know, obviously the most popular game in America. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, uh, the former commissioner Tagliabue got in and then the, the one, that, the one I had to laugh about was not, not that he maybe wasn't deserving, but, but Cowboy safety Cliff, Cliff Harris got in. And uh, uh, I, I mean, did you guys immediately like me think of Jack Lambert in Super yep. Bowl Ten? <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm kind of surprised Tagliabue got in too. To be honest with you, I, I was a lot too. Of, uh, there were a lot of I think I think the Blue Ribbon panel put him in on purpose because they knew that the voters would not put him in. Yeah, because there there are a handful of guys that have an axe to grind against him and just refuse to vote for him. Yeah. Uh, and uh yeah, uh, Cliff Cliff Harris getting basically being picked up and spiked to the ground by <laughs> by Jack Lambert. Yeah, that was a great moment. What's really funny is the ref walking away from Lambert going, "Yep, I didn't see it." Yeah, I didn't see anything. <laughs> I didn't see a damn thing. I'm not saying a word. You know, and Harris stands up right away and throws his hands up like, aren't you going to? Nope. Not saying a nope. <laughs> yeah. For any of you that don't know what we're talking about, you need to go back and watch the Super Bowl 10 highlights right after uh, uh, the missed kick. That was when uh, I became a Steelers fan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean. That was uh... the game. My my <laughs> old man, it was a Cowboys fan, and he, he was all fired up and telling me how they were going to win, Roger Staubach and blah, blah. And I was like, you know, I'm a little kid. I don't know shit. Don't know shit right. about Dick. And I'm just like, nope. The guys in the black hats are going to win. And they did. <laughs> and I've been a Steelers fan ever since. That's beautiful. <laughs> no figure. It's, uh, it's a dumb story, but people are always entertained by it. I'm like, no, it's dumb. It's oh, true. no. I, I, hey, we're, we all tell our, our how did you become a fan stories. And I, I agree. I think they're probably dumb to, to, to ourselves, but everybody seems to like them. You're right. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, Good for Donnie Schell and Harris, man. I, Webster's dad. How exciting is that? Yeah, I I was like, so wait, Alex Harris gets in, but Drew Pearson doesn't. Well, and you could say the same for Harold Carmichael too. Yeah, I think Pearson was more decorated as a, both a player. Them. Both of them. Um, I, you know, I don't get it. Didn't uh, didn't Harris have some gambling issues one season? 
I, uh, I know it was Paul Horning, but I thought no. he was. No, maybe not. I thought yeah, he was yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was. He was suspended for one season with Horning. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I thought he played for the Lions his whole career. Uh, he he might have finished with somebody else. Maybe. But I thought it was the Lions. Yeah, it was predominantly the Lions. But uh, uh, anyway, I, I do want to get on to uh, Coach uh, William Laird Cower. Uh, one yeah, final uh, note on the one final note on yeah. the Centennial class. I'm really glad that Art Modell did not get in. Oh, he does not boy. deserve to be in the Hall. Of Fame. <laughs> I, I, I was saving that yeah. till later, but I got to I got to agree with you, man. I yeah. and you know I I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna throw one to the Browns fans. Modell ruined what was once a fantastic yeah. rivalry. He did. He did, yeah. and 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 he moved all that hatred to Baltimore, and that's why we hate the Ravens now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, just again, if you don't know the whole story, uh, Art Modell was the owner of the Cleveland Browns and uh, uh, decided to move his franchise to Baltimore, which of course had had seen their Colts leave for Indianapolis. Uh, so the Baltimore folks were ecstatic, um, but you know, the the Browns were were left. The Cleveland folks were left with nothing uh, until they eventually came back, and uh, obviously, Cleveland fans not very happy with Art Modell, so they were thrilled while Ravens fans are, are upset that he didn't get in. And uh, my only contention is I don't think owners should be in, period. Uh, they make enough money they can build their own shrines. Um, uh, it but, depends on know. whether or not they actually made big contributions to the game. True. What's the okay. impact? I, you know, I you know, Like Hallis? I mean, how do you keep that guy out of the Hall of Fame? Well, and, and I know? mean, you could say Paul Brown and, and some yeah, of these. I, I for get sure. it. I get it. I get it. I, I just, you know. Uh, I think sometimes we just honor these guys simply because they they. Now have I name I agree with you. Jerry you know? Jones getting into the Hall of Fame is oh, a fucking God. joke. A fucking joke. <laughs> what did well, he do? A PG rating. Yeah. What he, well. What did he do? He he came up with the best merchandising. Yeah. Techniques in the NFL. Really, that contributed to the game. Shut. He's not no. even a good GM. He's terrible. <laughs> He's terrible. He sucks. He contributed to his pocketbook. That's what he contributed to. Uh, anyway, we <laughs> let's get on to Bill Cower. Bill, congratulations to Coach Cower. Um, uh, great, great story. Uh, training camp uh, the year I got married, and and uh, my my wife. Uh, we saw Bill coming over to the side there with the fences and Latrobe, and and uh, my my wife grabbed my hat and my sharpie, and she just disappeared into the crowd and not. 20 seconds later, she came back. She had Cowher's signature on my hat, and she said, oh, we had a great conversation. He asked how I was doing. I said, great, how are you? And he said, I'm loving it, and we just kept talking. I said, you did all that in 20 seconds? And she said, sure. So I still got the hat stuck to my wall here in my fortress of Steeler Toot. Um, but I, I'm glad for him, um, you know, and, and I'm going to let you guys, you know, give your thoughts before we really analyze this. So, Ian, your your thoughts on his uh, his eventual induction here. Yeah, so um, my initial thought is, you know, as you already mentioned, I'm sort of the youngest person here. You know, I'm 34 years old, was born in the mid-80s. But, yeah. um, you know, this, this was kind of special to me, kind of like Jerome Bettis was get, getting in with special – um, just because, you know, this was Dermody Dawson getting in with special, you know, this was kind of the, the guy who really formed my, you know, yeah. Steeler fandom. Um, you know, I, I kind of barely remember the last few years of the, of the Chuck Knoll era. 
Um, I think the, the first Steeler game I really can remember watching was that playoff game against the Oilers, I think, in 89. I remember watching it on our, on our fuzzy basement television with <laughs> rabbit ears, which rabbit ears yeah. in a basement is never a good idea. Anyways, um, but at, at any rate, you know, uh, I mean, I was I was six years old in 1992 when Cower kind of, you know, took over the helm of the, of the team. And really a lot of my having season tickets, a lot of my formative you know, young age years yeah. were spent at Three River Stadium at, at Heinz Field then watching, you know, Cowers teams. Um, so it, it does it does have kind of a, a special meaning to me as a, as a Steelers fan. Um, all that, and, and I'm really happy for him. Yeah. All that being said, I'm kind of surprised he got in. Um, you know, his, his whole career resume, it's good, but it's not great. I mean, he has yeah. made two Super Bowls in 15 years. He won one. That's that's awesome. You know, he won 10 division or eight division titles, made the playoffs 10 times. But, um, it, you know, uh, when guys like George Seifert aren't in the Hall of Fame yet, it, it seems kind of weird that, like, Bill Cowher got in. I, I mean, I'm really happy for him. I'm ecstatic. But, yeah. it, it, you, you know, you know what I'm saying. I, I do. I do. And and we'll 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 break this down a little bit more. But I, I want to get Ben's uh, initial thoughts here on, on Cowher going in. Well, a lot like um, my naysaying friend over there who just introduced this. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised that he got in. And yeah. I, I've always thought of Cower as a good coach. Yep. Just yep. just not a great coach. Um, you know, not necessarily somebody who was Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, he had that stretch. And, and I know a lot of people have completely blanked that out because Cower won a Super Bowl and now he's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. But, you know. 1998 through 2003, six seasons. Cower had a pretty rough stretch there. Um, 98, they started five and two. They won a big game on Monday night in Kansas City. I was at that game, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's great. It, it, it was it was a really loud stadium, incredibly loud. Um, nice stadium. The people were rude as hell. Um, Steelers won. I wasn't sure we were gonna get out of there alive. Uh, I'm not exaggerating. They they were pissed. Um, and the Steelers, you know, it looked like the Steelers were going to have they they'd won they'd gone to the AFC Championship the year before, um, and lost uh, Bills. Was that his second? That was his second home AFC Championship game loss, uh, where yeah. he was favored. Yeah. And they started five and two, and it was looking everything was looking rosy, and then the season collapsed, and they finished seven and nine and missed the playoffs. And that was when people started going, well, he's lost the team. Okay. Of course. That of was 98. Course. 99, they were 6-10. and 10. Missed the playoffs again. 2000, they finished 9-7. and seven, so they, high, Three they, rivers. Yeah. They, yeah. Finished, yep. uh, they finished with a winning record at 9-7, and seven, but they missed the playoffs again. Okay. Yep. Uh, the year after that, 2001, uh, Cordell makes the Pro AFC Bowl championship game. AFC Championship game. That was the third of the home AFC Championship game losses in mm-hmm. Bill Cowher's career. That um, was the brutal one where the um, what's his name, the wide receiver ran out of bounds on the 70 yard yep. punt, and we had to bring it back, and they put right. it on the the opposite hash mark from where it had been, and right. uh, New England returned it for Troy Brown. Troy yeah. Brown, yeah. Um, let me see. The, the season after that, they were ten five and one. That was the year they tied the Falcons. Remember yeah, that yeah. game when Plaxico Burris got tackled at the one yard line? Yeah. Then Joe Nedney won an Oscar for his playoff performance. Yep, that was fantastic. <laughs> and uh, they lost in the divisional round. That so they made they made the playoffs two years in a row. 
yeah. there after missing it three years in a row previous to that. So now he's got that was two also play- that was also the year of the big comeback against the Browns in the um, wild card round. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fumatu. Yeah. Yep. So he's got he's got two playoff appearances in five seasons there. The year after that, they went six and ten. They were Tommy horrible Gunn again. Off, then. What? That was that was the year they put Tommy Maddox yeah. at quarterback and tried yeah, to throw Tommy. the ball over the yard. Anyway, and it was so they, they finished six and ten. They finished six and ten that year. And this is kind of the where I'm going with it. He had he had a run where he had six years in a row. Excuse me, six years two of which he made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Then they get to draft Ben and things change. Right. But people are blocking this out as though Cower was a really outstanding coach. I've always thought of him as a good coach. I didn't yeah. think he had much to work with in some of those years, but I don't think that he was a great coach. I don't think he was a hall of fame caliber coach. Um, I'm glad he got in. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. But it changes my perspective on what a hall of fame coach is. I am with both of you. I love Coach Cower. I love the fire he coached with. Um, I, I I just enjoyed him as a coach, but I never ever ever viewed him as a Hall of Fame coach. I, I like you just said he was a good coach, but uh, Hall of Fame? No, I, I I view Hall of Fame coaches as guys that that win multiple titles, um, and and at the very least. And, uh, I, 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 so, but like you guys too, I, I'm thrilled for him. Um, watching that moment was tremendous the other night. Um, and, and, you know, like you, Ian, I, I, I go back to, to when he was, you know, uh, storming the sidelines and I think of some great, great moments there. And unfortunately I remember four AFC home championship games that, that were losses and my goodness, I was at all were, four of them. Yes. Well, then you feel it worse than me. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, he, he darn near nearly lost a fifth if, if that Hail Mary's completed, um, you know, so I, I, again, I don't want to take anything away from him, but, um, you know, it's a great honor and everything, but yeah, I, I, I was surprised that he, that he got in now, uh, Ian, Can I you... Ask you a question here. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Real quick though. Do you, do you think him being on television had any impact uh... on the, the voters and him helping him get in? Absolutely. Maybe. I, I, maybe. I, I, I mean, and, and people have said the same thing about Jimmy Johnson. Did they did they select Jimmy Johnson and, and Bill Cower yeah. so that they could honor them on television and hype this centennial mm. class? And there may be something to that. Sure. I don't Could know. Be. You know, I wasn't thinking was, about that. I was just thinking his contributions to, you know, all the pregame shows over the years after coaching, you know, have oh, also kind of helped no. build up the game. No. Yeah. Hell no. Absolutely <laughs> I, not. So I, James does James Brown deserve to be in? Does Fran Tarkenton deserve to be in for calling all those games? What about Howard Cosell? Hell no. No. <laughs> Look at him go. Uh, there's my Howard Cosell <laughs> impersonation. Um, I, I think it helps in terms of the, um, especially some of the voters who maybe didn't know Bill Cower, and then they see him on TV and they either decide they like him or they don't like him. I, I think in that regard, but no, now I, I agree with Ben in the sense that no, it, it doesn't make a difference or it shouldn't have made a difference as to whether or not he got in. Um, I, I agree. I, it shouldn't have. I was yeah, just yeah. asking the question. Yeah. If he's not a TV personality, does he get in? I would say his chances are less. Yeah, Maybe. I, I, I would. Um, Ian, I, I know you uh, enjoy uh, getting a rise out of folks. 
<laughs> especially when it's done with with actual uh, accurate numbers and facts. Uh, so you made the argument to us and then put it into an article for SteelCityBlitz.com that uh, based on this, that Mike Tomlin is pretty much assured of getting into the Hall of Fame. So explain yourself. Okay, I will be happy to. So, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna couch all this up front by saying that I'm not saying Tomlin's gonna get inducted right away after he retires. Bill Cowher retired yeah. 13 years ago and had to wait mm-hmm. for a special centennial class to get in. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show that you, you never know when the NFL will do more of these special centennial classes or what's gonna happen in the or you know, what's going to happen in the future. Um, you know, depending on how many more years Tomlin coaches, even if he has to wait another 10 to 15 years after mm-hmm. he retires to get in, like my argument is at some point in time, I think Tomlin's going to get in. And really his resume is very similar to Cowers. And I know there's a lot of people out there that think Tomlin should be fired or, or you know, are concerned about yeah. our performances in the last five years, seven years, nine years. I've seen nine years a lot, which is a, um, you know, funny thing to me because that, you know, they're not looking at the last decade because if they look at all 10 years, they have to include that Super Bowl appearance and <laughs> they want to, you know, selectively, you know, choose their data. Um, but nevertheless, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is going to look at your complete and total body of work. They're, they're not going to look at, you know, what did you do? Did you do something earlier in your career versus later or when did it happen? I mean, Bill Cowher didn't win a Super Bowl until his penultimate season. Mike Tomlin won a Super Bowl in his second season. So mm-hmm. the, the Hall of Fame is just going to look at total body of work. And when you look at them side by side, uh, at least for right now, Tomlin has a better winning percentage by about 2%. It's 64% Very to 62%. Yep. Um, overall, the, during Cowher's 15-year tenure, the Steelers had the best record of any team in the league. Um, during Tomlin's 13-year tenure, the Steelers have the second-best record. Only New England, who's been historically good, um, yeah. it was better. Uh, Cower won eight division titles. Tomlin's won six. Cower made eight playoff appearances or ten po- playoff appearances. Tomlin's won eight. Cower was 12 and nine in the playoffs, with about 57% winning percentage. Tomlin's eight and seven, which is about a 53% winning percentage. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, the anti-Tomlin crowd wants to argue that Tomlin's only one game over 500, but really, he's only four percentage points uh, behind Cower as far as playoff record goes. Both of them have made two Super Bowls and won one. Um, Cower had three losing seasons, as Ben just laid out. Tomlin's never had a losing season, which some people don't doesn't think matters. But if you look at the Pro Football Hall of Fame website, there's guys on there that have specifically listed in their bios never had a losing season. So that is something that the Pro Football Hall of Fame likes to promote and take into consideration. Um, so – Tomlin does have also, in addition to Cower, a better resume than some guys that are currently in the Hall of Fame. Um, George Allen, who coached for the Redskins and the Rams, um, mm-hmm. was two and seven in the playoffs. Never won a championship. Um, you know, Tomlin has a, a better resume than he does, and, and that guy's in the Hall of Fame. So I think, like Ben said, Cower getting in does somewhat change the standard for what a Hall of Fame coach is, and with that changed standard, I, I think Tomlin gets in at some point in time. Yeah, I I agree, and and you know Ben, I I'll I'll hand it over to you. I you know I, I don't want to start uh, uh, predicting too much about Mike Tomlin because I I'm hopeful that that the thing things get turned around and and you know him being around longer means great success for the Steelers. So hopefully that's a long way off. But do you, do you think Cower getting in does you know increase his chances of getting in? I have no idea, but I to yeah. me 
Look, I, I like Mike Tomlin. I think he's a good football coach. I have never yep. seen him as a Hall of Fame-worthy coach, Hall of Fame-caliber coach. So very um, similar to Cower then. Yeah. And, and Tomlin, you know, acknowledges as much. You know, he, he – what did he say? I use the word great, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. very seldom. And there are, there are just a handful of guys that you can, you can apply the word great to. And I'm not one of them. I'm just a guy who goes to work and, and works hard at his craft and tries to get better. And I'm not there yet. I'm not yeah. great. You know, and one of the guys he pointed at as a great coach was Belichick um, and uh, Popovich uh, in San Antonio. So, I mean, yeah. basically, he's, he basically what he's saying is I'm not in that rarefied company. And I agree with him. And I, I, didn't I agree think with Bill, that too, just for the record. Yeah, I, I didn't think that, that Bill Cower was either. I don't know that this changes anything, and, and here's why. The people that voted on the Centennial class were a special group of blue ribbon panel contributors to the game of football yeah. who don't vote Not on the, the regular classes. Right. Very important they distinction. They don't vote on the regular classes, and the regular voters you know, aren't going to vote for a lot of the guys that got in in this class. <laughs> I don't know how else to put that. I think no, Jimmy I think Johnson fair. I think Jimmy Johnson would have eventually gotten in. Um I mm-hmm. think he would have on this on the strength of the fact that when he started in Dallas, he was both head coach and GM. He didn't have the title of GM, but he yeah. had all that responsibility. He had the ability to do whatever he wanted with football operations. That's eventually why he and Jerry split because Jerry wanted to take some power back from him and he went, "Nope." If you take any of my power, I'm walking, (laughs) and they couldn't work it out. Uh, But when they started, when he started there, they were one in fifteen, and five years later, they had two rings. That's huge. It's a huge accomplishment. I mean, it's that alone in five years is massive. Uh, He started out; they were the worst team in the league, and Mm -hmm. and five years later, they're a two-time winner. He leaves, and Barry Switzer takes over, and Barry Switzer sucked. Switzer, Switzer won with over. Jimmy's players. Let's and be he honest. won. Yeah, I mean he did. Those, <laughs> those guys won. The team he he uh, the team he built won another championship after he was gone. Yeah, they were that good. Um, so you know, I I don't think you can make that case with Cowers' team that he won Super Bowl forty with because he won a Super Bowl with them. And then he went eight and eight with them. And then the next year they went, what, 10 and six. 10 and six. And um, uh, after that, they won a Super Bowl. But the four, yeah. Yeah. But when you look at the 53 guys in that roster in, was it 2003? No, excuse me. 2008. Yes. Mm -hmm. 53 guys in that roster. You look at uh, I'll give you two good examples. Woodley was a was a uh pick after Cower was gone. Right. And James Harrison was a guy who was buried in the depth chart when Cower was around. He was stuck behind Porter and and Cower didn't play him. And no. the guy was a defensive player of the year caliber guy and Cower wouldn't put him on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's just two examples. That 2008 team had 22 players that were cower drafted players right of the 53 so i don't i don't buy that example never have i think it's stupid in 2010 there were eight players left 
that were coward drafted players. Eight. And yeah. they won the AFC that year. So don't don't hand me that crap. There's too much turnover now in in rosters. Yep. Every year. Uh it's it's completely different now than it was when, when Cowher was and so much different than when Noel was around. If, if Noel <laughs> chose good players, they're what was it, plan B plan B free agency. They they didn't really have much ability to move around those guys. Right. You if you drafted well, you know, you were gonna have a lot of success for a decade. Now guys move around constantly. Yeah, no, it, so it, speaking it's, of uh, the speaking yeah, of ahead, draft man. picks, all right. So here's the thing I hear, you know, quite often that I've, you know, gotten feedback when talking with the, I'll say, anti-Mike Tomlin crowd. You know, when you bring up Bill Cowher and how similar their records are, their point is always that, well, you know, Cowher never had a franchise quarterback until the end, which, okay, you know, young Ben Roethlisberger, a little different than older Ben Roethlisberger, but here's the other point. Bill Bill Cowher was the coach for 12 drafts before they – selected Ben Roethlisberger and picked seven quarterbacks in those 12 drafts. Only one Cordell Stewart was picked before the fifth round. Everyone else was fifth round or later. They mm-hmm. picked Cornelius Brown in 92, Alex Van Pelt in 93, Jim Miller in 94, Stewart in 95, Spence Fisher in 96, T Martin in 2000 with Tom Brady still on the board, by the way, and Brian <laughs> St. Pierre in 2003. So seven quarterbacks in 12 drafts, only one before round five. So if Cowher didn't have a franchise quarterback, it's because he and his GMs or director of player personnel, because the Steelers didn't have a GM title at the time, yeah, but they didn't, they didn't prioritize the position. They didn't pick one. Um, you know, I, I fully recognize he had Neil O'Donnell, you know, when he got there. That was a carryover from the end of the Noel years. But O'Donnell left yeah. in 96. That's still eight drafts before they took Ben Roethlisberger. And to cap it all off, Bill Cowher wanted to draft Sean Andrews, an offensive lineman from Arkansas instead exactly. of taking uh, yeah. the franchise exactly. quarterback that Cowher, won him and Mike Tomlin the Super Bowl. So, Cowher you know, had if to people... Be, go ahead. Cowher had to be talked into taking Roethlisberger. He didn't want to, and it was because it was an era where you could run the ball and play yeah. good defense and win. And you want to know how I know that? The Steelers proved it for me. I don't need to prove it to anybody who's listening because in Super Bowl forty. Ben completed nine, nine passes. passes, nine, and they won the game. So don't give me that. You need a franchise quarterback to win a Super Bowl crap because the Steelers have already proved that you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, we've uh, we've had an excellent Hall of Fame talk. I, I do want to get in just a bit of uh, kind of current event stuff with the Steelers here before we wrap things up on the show. Um, uh, the Steelers this past year, of course, had Randy Feigner as the offensive coordinator. And uh, he also retained his title as quarterback's coach. And there was a lot of speculation, uh, uh, you know, from you guys as well, um, that, that maybe they need to go back to the days of, of a separate OC and a separate quarterback's coach. So no surprise then that today uh, they announced that Matt Canada uh, is, is going to come in and be the quarterback's coach. Now, Matt Canada, um, and Ian, you pointed this out today in our discussions that that he led Pitt in 2016 as the offensive coordinator to a ridiculously prolific offensive season, um, where I, I mean they they never scored less than 24 points in a game, um, and and just tremendous numbers and everything. But the guy has been around. He he started his coaching career in the mid 90s. 
Um, he's been uh, Indiana, Butler, Northern Illinois, Indiana, 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 Northern Illinois, Wisconsin, NC State, Pittsburgh, LSU, and Maryland in 2018. He he was not coaching this past year. So, uh, Ben, let me let me swing it to you. What are your thoughts on this hire uh, in in terms of what you expect from it? Uh, I, I don't expect a lot. I you know Matt Canada is. As you pointed it out today, when we were on, we were talking on Slack. He's yeah, he's a bit of a football vagabond. He he moves around constantly, and it, it kind of makes you a little leery of you know how how yeah. long he's going to stick. But he's known as an innovative guy mm-hmm. by some college football fans. I don't expect him to have much input into the offensive scheme uh, for two reasons. One, we've got a thirty-seven-year-old quarterback, soon to be thirty-eight. Yeah, and he and his coordinator are comfortable with what they're running now. And I, I don't expect a great deal of change. And also because he's the quarterback's coach, he's a position coach. He's not a coordinator. He's not going to be able to say, I want to be the passing game coordinator, you know, yeah. and don't yeah. get me wrong. You know, all the, all those position coaches have some input on the game plan, sure. but they're not, they don't get to decide that's mm-hmm. just not the way it works. So I don't expect a great deal to change. Yeah. I, however, I am glad that they went ahead and they hired a quarterbacks coach because they needed to, they needed to do something to, it was evident this year that our young quarterbacks were lost yeah, and that they weren't getting enough attention during the course of the week, during the, the preparation phases to be able to go out there and properly execute. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I, basically blame that on two things one I, i'm not that enamored with randy finkner but no. um also yeah you got a guy who's splitting duties and he's trying to like coordinate the entire offense and also coach a position it's not really all that effective i don't think so you know maybe you can yeah. do that in college in in the pros just isn't that easy even this year with keith butler coaching the outside linebackers and also mm-hmm. uh coordinating the D he had help he had help and yeah. and that being the case you know from his head coach and also from another you know position coach the senior DB's coach so it's just not it's not quite the same thing I don't think I don't see Fickner getting the help that that Butler was getting this year mm-hmm. put it that way yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, and uh, Ian, the last few minutes here, uh, what, what did you find out or what did you see about Matt Canada that uh, intrigued you or maybe didn't? So one of the things that uh, I'll point out is Canada's offenses have always used a lot of pre-snap motion, and the Steelers were one of the uh, – I don't want to say worse, but used yeah. pre-snap motion about the fewest of any team in the league last year. Some of that could have been the quarterback play that, you know, when you're calling audibles and moving guys it's around, simple. it's a little bit harder. Right, you want to keep it simple. But I think bringing him in, you know, potentially could bring some of those concepts at least into the discussion room. Him having bounced around, worked with a lot of college quarterbacks, you know, he has experience working with young guys. And, yes, we have a, a you know, like Ben said, 37-year-old quarterback who is, you know, going to be leading the team, but the guys behind him still need to be prepared too. So mm-hmm. I think that, that may help them a little bit as well. Obviously, this is a guy that Mike Tomlin has a lot of familiarity with, not only working in the same building um, in 2016 when he was, uh, the offensive coordinator at Pitt, but also I'll point out that 
you mentioned he was at Maryland. He was the offensive coordinator there and then the interim head coach in 2018, which yep. was uh, Mike Tomlin's son, Dino's senior season at Shadeside Academy here in Pittsburgh. Um, and Dino committed to Maryland to be a wide receiver. So Canada was probably heavily involved in um, Dino Tomlin's recruitment. Rudy. So yeah. probably knows the Tomlin family very well, um, has a pretty good working relationship there. So, um, you know, this is a guy that Tomlin has some comfort with, level with. Um, and the Steelers have always liked to promote coordinators from within too. So this could be a situation where it's like, Hey, if this works out, maybe he could potentially be an offensive coordinator of the future. Um, you know, or maybe he just stays a position coach, depending on how he adjusts from the college game to the NFL, which is a big jump. It, it, it is. It absolutely is. And, and I, I agree with you. Tomlin has always been a guy that likes familiarity. Um, and, and clearly there's some sort of relationship there, uh, between his time at Pitt and then certainly with Maryland. So, yeah, I agree. I, I'm not going to make any judgments. I always get concerned when I see a coach that's been around as, as often as he has at different stops along the way, but, you know, uh, hopefully he's exactly what these younger guys need. Um, I do want to get to one more little thing here before we go. Um, and, and you guys can kind of do this as parting shots here, but there, there seems to be a real expectation um, after Art Rooney to talk today that they're going to keep Bud Dupree uh, come hell or high water. Um, ben, where, where are you on this? Because me personally, I, I just don't see the math right now, but that doesn't mean it can't change. I I think it's one of two things. And I, I hope it's the latter of the two. I mm-hmm. think it's either posturing, which, you know, because yeah. Art doesn't, I don't think it's about losing face. I think it's about disappointing the fans. And I think that Art did a lot, an awful lot of posturing with Le'Veon Bell when he knew that he couldn't sign him yeah. and tried to keep the, the fans' hopes alive, not to give them false hope, but mm-hmm. to make it clear to them that it was important to him to keep the guy too, but he just didn't think he was going to be able to do it. Even though he didn't think he was going to, he was holding out hope. So it's either that or, and this is what I hope it is, mm-hmm. Maybe Art knows something about <laughs> what's coming up that we don't know. Like maybe the salary cap's going to be a lot higher than we expect. Or maybe there is going to be a CBA signed before free agency starts. Maybe he oh. knows it's coming around the bend. And if that happens, we got nothing to worry about. They can they can restructure a bunch of contracts and make it fit, and make it work, not a problem. Right. And maybe – Maybe he wants to put all his eggs in the in one basket because he's got Ben next year and he's got a good defense and you know if you got the quarterback and you got the defense, that's a pretty good recipe for a championship. Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. he wants to get one more and just go for broke. I don't know, but I don't know what he's thinking, and he's obviously not going to tell us. But something's up. Yeah, yeah. No, I I'm right there with you. And and Ian, go ahead and and close us out. What what are your thoughts on Dupree and and Art too today? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like we talked about on the last show, uh, Ben went into some good detail on it that, uh, you know, the last year of the collective bargaining agreement puts some constraints on what you can do from a contract Mm -hmm. standpoint and pushing money out to future years. The one thing I've been kind of bouncing around in my head is maybe they try and use the transition tag, which is a little less than the franchise tag, at least to, you know, keep him sort of under contract for a little while and then try and work out a longer term deal. 
Um, I think the transition tag for outside linebackers is not final right now, but it's estimated mm-hmm. around $14 million instead of 16 and a half for a franchise tag. Um, yeah. Transition tag also gives you the opportunity if another team tries to sign him, you can match that deal. So, um, you know, it yeah. still lets Dupree explore free agency, but the Steelers could potentially match any deal that okay. he was given to. So, um, you know, I, I think – that would be a, another, like Ben said, go for broke on a one-year deal too because before before last season, I mean, we talked on this podcast that $9.5 million for Dupree was overpaying him, um, you know, with that fifth-year option. Then he went out and had 11 sacks. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, with a guy like him who didn't break out till his fifth year, you never know what you're going to get the next year. Um, I mean, hopefully for yeah. him he turned a corner, but – um, that's kind of something that's been bouncing around my head. Well, he, he did turn the corner and not nearly as wide as he has in past years. And I'm just going to sign <laughs> off on that one right there. Thank you so much for listening to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by 26shirts.com slash Pittsburgh. And hey, go Steelers. Ravens.